Well, this morning we'll conclude the thoughts on regret in retrospect. We've looked in the past uh, two weeks, I think it's the past two weeks, false testimony. We've looked back, we've looked biblically, and we didn't finish all those, we could spend days going back into the lives of Old Testament and, and early New Testament saints. We looked at a few of those that were living with regret, others that weren't. But this morning, I want to conclude the thought with looking beyond suggestions to reduce regret in the future. We all have re regretted decisions or things we've done in the past. To stop that happening again, we need to do certain things and behave in certain ways as Christians or as non-Christians. We need to believe on the Lord Jesus, whom we have just celebrated his death, and believe on him. But we need to look to the Lord to stop that regret in the future. And I know, because the Bible says so, that there are, there are billions of people that are going to severely regret the decisions they didn't make and they did make in this life because this is the testing ground. This is the time when we have opportunity. After death, there is no more decisions made that affect our eternity because we're in eternity. So we have to get ready now. Let's pray. Thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that you would bless it to our hearts. Thank you that we can remember the death of our Saviour, his broken body and his shed blood. Mend these things to our heart. May we never forget, as it says, until you come, we celebrate this. Bless now in Jesus' name. Amen. Looking beyond, looking further afield, looking to eternity. First of all, labor not in this life to be rich so that you don't have regrets in the future. In the book of Proverbs, it tells us in Proverbs 23 that very thing and verses 4 and 5. It reads, Labor not to be rich. Cease from your own wisdom. Wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings and they fly away like an eagle toward heaven. Haven't you noticed that? <laughs> You think you've got money and then all of a sudden it just disappears. Some big bills come in or some unforeseen thing happens and the riches fly away. How many today are focusing on riches, on things, on... What do you call that? Super. It could fly away in the drop of a hat. The governments we've got today could legislate to just take it all. You know, I don't want to scare you, but the way the world is... I've often thought, well, we're in debt and a trillion dollars or more in Australia and there's two trillion in the super fund. Well, there's, there's some money to pay the bill. <laughs> Let's spend it as we will, says the government. And, well, riches can fly away in a very short time. <clears throat> Remember the parables of the Lord Jesus? There's 30 parables and I just thought of three. That's 10% of the parables have to do with riches. And one of them is the rich young ruler in Matthew chapter 19. He came to the Lord by night 
And he said, Lord, what must I do to have eternal life? You know, get to heaven. And the Lord went through all the laws and he said, all these have I kept from my youth up. And then the Lord said, you need to sell all you've got because he knew he was rich and give it to the poor. And that blew him away. <laughs> and he walked away very sorrowful because he wasn't willing to give up his riches. He wasn't thinking beyond this life. You know, riches will only last here. You can't take it to heaven. And then there was Lazarus and the rich man. They both died. The rich man, who was not a believer, went to hell. It says it very clearly in Luke 15, Luke 16. But Lazarus, who was a poor man and the dog licked his sores, he ate the crumbs, the, the leftovers, the rubbish that went out in the bin from the rich man's table, he went to heaven. And uh, he was blessed to be at Abraham's, in Abraham's bosom, as it says, but the rich man being tormented. And he asked for a, a drop of water on his tongue. He, he was tormented in that flame. You see, riches didn't help him once he went out. Labor not to be rich. There's the other parable of the rich fool who said, you know, his, his farm bought forth plentiful crops and he harvested it all. He said, and he built bigger barns to store it all. And he thought to himself, well, I've got everything. The Lord said, this day thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall these things be? You know, we don't know when we're going to get, leave life, but we need to be prepared. Labor not to be rich. That's a good motto for looking beyond because heaven is rich, a rich place. <laughs> heaven is a blessed place. Read about it in the scriptures. Secondly, looking beyond labor not to be Renown. There were some people, or huh, I don't know if you call them people, in the Old Testament. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 4, before the flood, it says there were joints in the earth in those days before Noah's flood, and also after that, <clears throat> that when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bore children to them, the same became mighty men who were of old men of renown, men that were spoken about, Men that were feared, men that were not normal. As you read the sons of God and the daughters of men and all the ramifications of that, that brought these giants, men of renown. And when Israel went into the land, this is after the flood, and there were more of these beings on planet Earth, there were giants. And that's what stopped them going into the promised land. The, the ten spies said, no, no, we can't. They're too big. We're like grasshoppers in the sight of these giants. But God said, you've got to go in and exterminate these half-human beings that are walking the planet in your promised land. Well, in Psalm, this Psalm 49, we have this written in verse 11 about men of renown. <clears throat> Psalm 49, verse 11. The inward thought is that their houses shall continue forever... And their dwelling places to all generations, they call their lands after their own names. On the gate, the wrought iron gate, they've got their name welded in there. <laughs> but hey, Mr. Whoever, name is on that gate, is human and will perish, will die. Because it's appointed unto man once to die, but after that the judgment. 
they're not preparing. They'd like to be renowned down here. I don't know if you've had to do with people that are of that elk, of that sort. They're, they're very self-important people. They think themselves very important. Well, unless they humble themselves and become obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ and obey the gospel, they won't be renowned in eternity. The gates will rust. <laughs> They'll fall down after they've gone. And what will be left? Look beyond riches. Look beyond being renowned. Look beyond being respected. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 23, these are the religious leaders of the Lord's day. <clears throat> and it says in verse 5, The Lord said of them, But all their works they do to be seen of men. They make broad the phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments. They love the uppermost um, rooms at feasts and the chief seats in the synagogue. They are, in their estimation, important people. They want to be respected. And all they're doing in life is doing things to say, look at me, respect me. <laughs> Not talking about, they're supposed to be representing God. These are religious leaders of of the day the Lord was here. So they labour to be respected. You know what the Lord Jesus said of true Christians? Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God and he will lift you up in due time. Let him do the exalting and not yourself. For the Lord will do that to those that humble themselves. Um, <clears throat> Hebrews, I mean... Philippians chapter 2 speaks of the Lord and his humility. Labor not to be reverenced. That's very much like being wanting to be respected. <clears throat> in Matthew 23 and verse 7, again, and greetings in the marketplace, and to be called by men, Rabbi, Rabbi. Remember Haman in the Old Testament? <laughs> he walked down the street. And he come to the gate and Mordecai was there in the gate and Mordecai wouldn't bow to him. And Haman was furious. How dare someone not bow to me? <laughs> and so he concocted a plan to kill him and all his people, all the Jews in Iran, Persia, as that was called then. And then the whole thing switched around, how God turned the thing around and, it, and those that would kill the Jews were killed themselves. And so <clears throat> labor not to be reverenced, but rather exalt his name, the Lord's name, for holy and reverent is his name. That's the only time you've got that reverence there. <laughs> you used to, uh, ministers used to be called reverence, reverence, huh, reverent. Reverend, there you go, thank you. <laughs> but hey, are we preachers any different to you? No, we're saved sinners. We've just got a different position. We are being given the, op the opportunity, the privilege to preach the word of God and hopefully we live exemplary lives to the, to the flock. Labor not to be reverenced. So labor not. Looking beyond, labor not to be rich, to be renowned, to be respected and reverenced. But <clears throat> rather labor to please God. Listen to Hebrews 11.5. Enoch was translated that he should not see death. He was taken like in a rapture. He went. He didn't die. 
not see death and was not found. I like that thought. Imagine the day after that Enoch went missing. He didn't turn up to tea tonight. Where's Enoch? Uh, go out the go out the paddock. See if he you know where paddock he might have been ploughing. See if you find him there. Did the horses run over him? Or <laughs> what happened to Enoch? As they looked all that day, and the next day they had another look. Where's he gone? Did he come over for tea? He's um, he's what do they call that person? A person you can't find. He's anyway. <laughs> And the, and the search parties were out, the family was out, the locals were out looking for him. Couldn't be found. He couldn't be found, it says. And he was not, for God took him. Before his translation, before he was taken, he had this testimony. What was it? That he pleased God. Focusing on the future, looking beyond this life, we should labor to please God. For one day soon, there's a lot of people going to leave planet Earth who are doing exactly what Enoch were doing. They were pleasing God. They were walking in his ways. They were reading his word. They were fellowshipping with him. You know, they were in unity with the Lord Jesus and were fellow Christians. And one day they will be not found. Have you ever thought of that when the Lord comes as according to 1 Thessalonians 4 and takes all Christians to heaven? Will the world go looking? Yeah. Will the neighbours you've talked to or given tracks to about this come looking? I'm sure they will. I'm sure they'll break into your house and say, where have they gone? The car hasn't moved for a week. And <laughs> some of our neighbours, when we go on holidays, we don't tell them all the time. Sometimes we do. And uh, when we get back, where'd you go? <laughs> and um, I'm suspicious they might have had a thought. We might have disappeared in the rapture because we've told them about it. <laughs> Hey, go out and tell people about it <laughs> because one day it's going to happen but be sure you leave a left behind tract or we've got a heap of them though, different, different ones on your front little table at your door with a mirror whatever you have there leave one of them there all the time because when they bust in looking for you and you will not be found they will find something to explain where you are and how they could also get there. Labour to please the Lord. In this daylight, never before we should be doing that. Labour to be spent. Paul said this in Second Corinthians 12 and verse 15. And I will very gladly spend and be spent. He gave what he had. He supported other preachers. He, he laboured tent making, he did. That he might meet their needs and be spent he was <laughs> he was spent when you come home from a day in hard work you can say to your wife i'm spent just let me get my thoughts together let me get a bit of a, a strength give me a cup or a cake or something like that that i might not you know I, I can get a bit of energy to go on for the evening but be spent at the end of our life it would be good to be able to say i spent I gave and I was spent physically. I was worn out for the, for the work of the Lord. What a testimony. And Paul said that. But he also said, the more I love, the more he did this, the, more, the less he was loved by people. It is in the human nature when one receives something for nothing, they want more for nothing. And they want more for nothing. And that, that's the problem with um, 
the social security system. If they uh, get used to living on that and don't go out and labour and know the, the privilege and, and joy it is to do a, a day's work and be rewarded for it by pay, then they can get into it, they can get locked into that system. And that can be very dangerous, can't it? But <clears throat> we labour to please God, we, la- we labour to be spent, and we labour to leave a legacy. Remember in the book of Hebrews, this, where it goes through all the people, uh, the heroes of the faith of the past time, you know, Abraham, Moses, Enoch, and those fellows, and, and women as well. It talks in verse 32, it says this, Hebrews 11, <clears throat> And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, of David also and Samuel and the prophets, because he didn't deal with those, with a few verses, he just, just said their names. And we could go back and say, this fellow, that fellow, this lady, this woman, and Sisera, <laughs> and yeah, well, nailed the king to the floor through his head. And all the armies of the, couldn't do it, she did it. <clears throat> wasn't Sisera, she, he was nailed. What was the woman's name? Jail, nail with a jail. Yeah, yeah, that's it, yeah. The one that put the... Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. Put him to sleep and did that. He, did, <laughs> what woman would do that today? But by faith, she did that because she could see this is the enemy of the Lord and the Lord was going to defeat them. Anyway, these people have a record. They've got a legacy they've left us. They are recorded in God's Word, and God's Word is forever. <laughs> this is not going to change, it'll still be there for eternity, and their names will be there. We don't get our names in there because the canon of scripture is full so <laughs> that's completed and the Lord has given us a new name written down in glory when we get saved but there again in verse 39 it says of these people and these all having obtained a good report through faith received not the promises they didn't get them in this life but they have in the next life received the promises they had a good report they have a good legacy. And if for those that were at the um, funeral of Anna yesterday, she did have a good report, didn't she? <laughs> um, one of her sons, Jim, that did the preaching, did talk about different things and others got up, sisters got up, um, grandchildren and great-grandchildren got up. <laughs> How many grandchildren? I can't remember. Doug, you've got a memory. There's 24 great grandchildren, and then or was it 24 grand? Anyway, a lot of a lot of kids, and they were represented in those that got up at they go. She they talked about her legacy. What Gramps, Gram, whatever they called her, meant to me. And some of you here learned to read and write through her teaching at the school. She was not a teacher. As, it said, as they said, that she didn't finish grade school, but she was teaching people, children, to read and write and the conviction that they had and the things that she did and left a legacy. And I had the privilege of knowing her dad, Harry Schmidt, and uh, worked for him for uh, many, many hours and days out there and had a lot of fellowship with him. But he left a legacy. You know, his legacy was he never preached a sermon. 
but there's probably more souls around Yak and Dandy in his day were saved through his one-on-one talking to people and that's what God gifted him with. And uh, legacy shows up in his family that followed, the children he had and the grandchildren, the great-grandchildren. But what legacy are we leaving our family and friends? Is it one of faith or is it one of folly? I pray it's one of faith. Labour to finish well. Labour to finish well. We've used this one earlier. 2 Timothy 4, 7 to 8. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course, said the Apostle Paul. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me in heaven a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me in that day, and not to me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. We need to labour to finish. I've run the course. I've finished. And with doing funerals, particularly of Christians, it's a privilege because you can say they finished the course. Better is the day of one's death, it says in Proverbs, than the, one, the day of one's birth. And so I've said it often recently, but better is that day because you've a legacy to leave. You've something you've finished, something you've accomplished. You've prayed to God that you've finished well or do finish well when that time comes. And then you're not regretful. Suggestions to reduce future regret standing before the Lord. Focus on the future. As it says in Hebrews 12, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. As he was on the cross, he knew what was coming. He endured the pain, the suffering. He saw the multitudes of people that would be in heaven because of his sacrifice. He, he stuck to it. He didn't quit. He didn't come down. He could have. <laughs> he could have summoned angels. He could have been off that cross and obliterated the Roman army and all the people that were around that were against him. But he didn't. He endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down on the right hand of the Father, interceding for us now and welcoming home many Christians every day that pass from this life. Focus on the future as the Lord did. In Colossians, it tells us, seek those things that are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of the Father. Set your affections on things above and not on things of the earth. You think about it now, this week. What has got your attention? What's got your time? What's occupied your thoughts? Has there been any thought of God? Has there been any thought of heaven? I pray that there has. Think of the joy of entering heaven and hearing the Lord say, as he says to those that come out of great tribulation in Matthew 25, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. On Wednesday night, we talked a little bit about this. And we're going to talk about some New Testament saints this coming Wednesday night. But when there's the Olympics on and they welcome the teams in or the countries into the stadium and the big announcement is made and the flag bearer is such and such. And can you imagine heaven? You say, no, it's not going to be like that. We'll all just get there as a a mob of sheep and (laughs) we're all like Lord's people. I don't think so. 
Peter says, Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, if you know you're saved, you know you're going to heaven, based on the finished work of the Lord Jesus, you shall never fall. And then it says, For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of the Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. Think of the future. Focus on the future. Look beyond. And that day it says... An abundant entrance. What's an abundant entrance? He didn't sneak in and no one noticed you. An abundant entrance means that you who are Christians, your works following you, as it says in the book of Revelation about saints, will come in to heaven and the Lord will welcome you for the particular task that he gave you in your life to do. And each one of us have been gifted and given the talents to minister for the Lord how is he going to welcome you in? Like if we said Enoch, how would he welcome Enoch into heaven? Well, here comes Brother Enoch. <laughs> and he, come on, tell me, what does the Bible say? He walked with me. We've already said it today. And he was not, for God took him. He had that testimony. Welcome Moses. And we said this on Wednesday night. Welcome Moses in. And what could be said of Moses? <laughs> the meekest man that ever lived. That's what the Bible says. And as we are welcomed into heaven and have that grand entrance, an entrance shall be ministered unto you. Look beyond. Think about these things. They're real. <laughs> this world and everything's going to, going to fry up. They're going to burn up. But not eternity. Not the things of eternity. And that's where we need to focus our attention now. While we've still got life and breath, uh, uh, once we go, there's no work beyond the grave. It's now that we labour to please the Lord, to do his will. Let's close with prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for the words that have been shared today. And I pray that, and thank you for them, and that they go out in power and truth and that we might consider the beyond eternity as brother Stace wrote all over the Sydney streets eternity a humble man saved from being an alcoholic and yet Lord you allowed that word to be put up in the year 2000 on the Sydney Harbour Bridge and people were made to think of eternity and I pray that more people will consider eternity than they do today because we all face it, either heaven or hell. May we go to the Lord Jesus if we're not saved and believe on him that we might have an eternity with him given his righteousness imputed to us as was said earlier. And Lord, not be facing the horrors of hell forever because we didn't believe. Bless us with salvation and bless us with sanctification. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.